2: Our locked on Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, everybody,
3: we welcome you to Crossover Thursday. That's right, we're getting you set for the Washington football team and the Arizona Cardinals. We will do that shortly with news and notes and an injury report as well. But first, we're brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless Visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, an official partner of the NFL. All right, I'm Chris Russell. Good to have you with us. And again, Crossover Thursday, Bo Brock and Alex Clancy, hosts of Locked On Cardinals, will join us shortly. But first, an injury report from Thursday, or from Wednesday, I should say. I should say Wednesday. Jumping ahead. It's Crossover Thursday, an injury report from Thursday. We don't have the Thursday injury report as we record this, if you smell uh, what... Uh, I'm cooking here, but let's get it for you. Not too bad for the Washington football team. Cole Holcomb, linebacker, was limited with a knee injury. Uh, He seemed to be moving around okay as he came out for practice, but again, limited. Uh, He was banged up in Sunday's win over the Philadelphia Eagles. Thomas Davis, he missed his Washington debut last Sunday, but he was full go with a calf injury after being downgraded late last week. So that's good news. Same thing for Kendall Fuller. He was a full go with the knee after missing last week. So, you have some guys that for right now are looking like, well, they're on track to play. We don't know about Holcomb yet. We don't know for sure about Davis and Fuller, but practicing in full on Wednesday is certainly a good sign. For the Arizona Cardinals, center Mason Cole, who we'll talk about in our crossover Thursday edition, was not participating on Wednesday for Arizona with a hamstring injury. Meanwhile, Kyle Fitz uh, was dealing with a wrist injury. He's a linebacker. He did not practice on Wednesday. Larry Fitzgerald, non-injury related, did not practice. Same for DeAndre Hopkins. So That seems like just a veteran rest day uh, for the boys. Meanwhile, Uh, Jalen Thompson, a safety ankle, did not practice. Max Williams, a tight end ankle, did not practice. And Josh Jones, an offensive lineman with an ankle injury, he was limited for the Arizona Cardinals. All right, so the Washington football team also has reportedly signed tight end to Merrick Hemingway uh, to a practice squad contract. uh, Should be official either on Thursday or Friday. Uh, Remember, they worked out a group of seven players. According to the NFL's official transaction wire, Ben Stanley of the athletic first to report that Hemingway would be coming across. He was drafted a sixth round pick by the Los Angeles Rams several years ago. Spent a couple of years with them, then over to the Denver Broncos, then caught on with the Carolina Panthers and Ron Rivera and this largely coaching staff and scouting staff. Signed a contract last May 2019, spent training camp with them, also was released, then signed back to the practice squad and spent the entire season on the practice squad, even when Ron Rivera and Scott Turner uh, and them were, well, Ron Rivera was fired, I should say. Uh, Scott Turner stayed on. uh, Even when those guys ultimately left, Uh, Hemingway was signed to a reserve futures deal Uh, Kind of procedural, quite honestly, in today's NFL. And he wound up staying with Carolina uh, for the offseason in training camp. Matt Rule, the new head coach there, letting him go at the end at roster cutdown. So, Tamarik Hemingway coming across. And that makes two uh, former Carolina tight ends, right? I mean, this makes sense. Again, they – Coaches like players that they're familiar with, that they know something about, that they already know how to kind of tap into and ride. And I can just tell you this just from – I can just tell you this, the the times that we've been at practice, Pete Hanner, the tight ends coach, uh, he is really hard on those guys. He is vociferous, if you will. Uh, And it's interesting because Logan Thomas uh, ran, I think, 30-some-odd routes – on Sunday, according to some of the analytics uh, that are bumping around there. I think that was Pro Football Focus that had that. Uh, Maybe it was Football Outsiders. I'm not sure. You know, but he was not – he was left in a block just a couple of times. And I have seen Logan kind of, you know, get ridden really hard. And he's talked about it. Uh, Pete Hayner is tough on Logan Thomas. So he is really trying to make him an all-around football player. Uh, So maybe – uh, listen, he scored a touchdown. He's the number one tight end. This is, I'm I'm guessing, just for depth, unless there's an injury that we don't know about. And again, nobody was listed on the injury report on Wednesday. So it appears uh, to be just a backup depth option in case something happens to one of the top three guys at the position. All right, so we are going to turn the page and save as much time as we can for Brock, Alex Clancy, host of the Locked On Cardinals podcast, and me chatting about both teams. Um, So we will have that for you right here. Crossover Thursday. How about that, baby? That's right. New this year. Crossover Thursday is the way we go. Right here on the Locked On Washington football team podcast. Good to have you with us. All right, guys, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or if you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. Oh, man, do I need that. CBD Freeze with menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief from muscles and joints in a convenient, easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD, Recovers. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica, and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters the most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of tropicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all of our Locked On listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD. Dot .com promo code locked on NFL for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBD MD check it
2: out They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
1: Welcome back. It is a Locked On Podcast crossover edition Thursday. Alex Clancy here. Bo Brock, my co-host uh, from Locked On Cardinals. And happy to talk to Chris Russell from Locked On Washington football team. We'll talk about that in a minute, what you're actually calling your podcast now. The Arizona Cardinals have had a very positive offseason for the most part, adding free agents, training for DeAndre Hopkins, having a favorable draft, at least it looks like on paper, and maybe not so much through week one, but there's promise there. The Washington professional football team hasn't necessarily had the most seamless offseason, and that's um, being very generous. Chris, I've had you on a show that I produce, um, talking about the Washington professional team and everything surrounding it, with the the uh, Washington Post article with uh, Ron Rivera coming in and then being diagnosed with cancer with Dan Snyder and the naming rights of 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 the stadium there. What's it like there right now, especially after a big Week One win?
3: Well, guys, first of all, good to be with you. Um, I haven't slept much in four months. I can tell you that much. Um, uh, it, it is, it has been, let, let, let me just put it this way. I thought uh, my first uh, 10 years or so on the beat um, were crazy and chaotic and a circus and a zoo and a nonstop black cloud of a cyclonic disaster, whatever you know, descriptive adjectives for chaos. Uh, you can use. You know. You know. I, I never thought it could get any worse than what it was basically under Bruce Allen, Mike Shanahan, you know, uh, Jay Gruden, uh, Robert Griffin the Third. All that. What has happened the last three, three and a half, four months is is just out of this world. I, I mean, I, I still, when when I think about it, when I look in the mirror, I say, Wait a second, what? H- how did we? How the bleep did we get here? And, and, and that's, I mean, I'm trying not to be over the top. I'm trying to explain to guys that know what this business is like, but can't possibly know what it's like to cover such a dysfunctional organization and such a chaotic endeavor. Um, because there's no other spot in the NFL like this. So I don't know if that answers the question, but it has been pure, unadulterated hell.
0: (laughs) It, It certainly helps. It shines light on, especially for people living in Arizona who are kind of far away from it, removed from it. So it begs the question, Chris, you know, it, we saw in Week One this front seven comprised of so many first-round pick. There's so much draft capital invested in that unit, and they just showed up. Eight sacks. They forced the two, the two turnovers. Is that front seven transcendent enough to help remedy all the dysfunction for the Washington football team? It's a
3: great question, Bo. I, I don't. I, I don't know if just them overall. Can do it. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to get a lot more help from their offense and Dwayne Haskins and running game and you know Terry McLaurin and so on and so forth. Um, and we all know that the, the the real transformation has to come off the football field. Um, but I will say this: not getting drilled by the Eagles as it was looking, seventeen to nothing midway through the second quarter on Sunday. And then actually coming back and winning that game and kind of winning it with authority has taken a lot of the, the gloom and doom, a lot of the, oh my gosh, the, you know, it is never gonna improve no matter what we do and no matter how much talent we have around here, feeling an angst away from I think the fan base. And it has also reduced, obviously, you know, the opportunity for national media, TV, writers, whatever, you know, Twitter, uh, all of that to just pile on. So now I think we're talking about, oh, my gosh, how good is Chase Young? Wow, look at Ryan Kerrigan. We thought he was dead. And here he is, NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Wow, look at this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. And, man, all of a sudden, a week two matchup between Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals and this defensive line becomes the thing of you know, like, hey, what what we all love about football, right? The intrigue of who's gonna blink first and who's gonna have more success. And I guess we'll find out on Sunday in Glendale.
1: Yeah, I Chris, it's interesting because it's not a direct correlative, it's not exactly the same, but it looks like Washington is a year behind where the Cardinals are now. And what I mean by that storyline wine is storyline wise is there's a quarterback that you think can do great things potentially. There's one real strong suit, and the rest is kind of just question marks. It's a young team. I mean, I guess with the Cardinals last year, it was before Patrick Peterson got popped for steroids, it was, well, at least you know on the defense, you have Chandler Jones and you have Patrick Peterson. And then on offense, well, Kyler Murray's there. Uh, let's hope that he can translate his, his success from college in a potent offense to the NFL, and you're kind of looking at that with Chase Young, even though Chase Young is proven way quicker that he's going to be a difference maker in the league, and Ryan Kerrigan, obviously the elder statesman of the two, and you have Dwayne Haskins where the last month of the year last year, he looked good, and people just forget about that because of the crap box start Washington had from the quarterback position. And the wide receiver spot is the question I want to ask you about because Terry McLaurin, third-round pick, you thought that you I mean you see something out of college from Ohio State but nobody expected that and then you look at the rest of the wide receiving core and it's not a whole lot. So what are you looking at aside from the bevy of running backs that you have that can produce on the offensive side?
3: Yeah, Alex, I, I mean, look, um are they challenged in 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 that particular spot at wide receiver? Absolutely. That's why they're bringing in you know, I, I'm gonna show my my age here. I know you guys are a lot younger than than this old man. Uh, you know, every Tom, Dick and Harry that they could find on the scrap heaps, they're trying to bring them in for workouts. And, you know, uh, they, they I mean, they're running through because they don't have enough experienced bodies. Uh, I'll give you a, f- for instance, Ron Rivera just told us, uh, and I'll have to look it up and, and, and confirm this, but uh, I'm pretty sure he's right. You know, he played nine years in the NFL. And he said the, the five active guys that they had on Sunday for Week One against Philadelphia have a combined combined eight years of experience in the NFL. And you know he's trying to say, look, look, we don't have anybody, including our best guy, with any experience. So they need help. They need experience and they need talent and help at that particular uh, position. And then even if you look at you know, their running back group because they let go of Adrian Peterson, um, who obviously we all know is a potential, you know, future Hall of Famer. They're very, very, very young at that position, tight end. They're very young at that position. They've got, you know, a guy in Jeremy Sprinkle has been around for, for, uh, this is his fourth year. Uh, Everyone else is kind of converted or, you know, very, very young offensive line. Again, very young (laughs) outside of a couple of guys on the right side. So you know on the quarterback's only in year 2. So this is a young offense. I I don't know if it's as one player dimensional as maybe Arizona's was uh last year or one player focus. Like I don't know if anybody goes in saying, "Oh my god, we got to stop Dwayne Haskins." They probably do that to Terry McLaurin and say, We're going to make somebody else beat them. Uh, but it's not one player, f- I think, as one player focused as maybe some other offenses are, and maybe even Arizona was last year.
0: Chris Russell, of course, follow him on Twitter, RussellMania621. Listen to the Washington Football Podcast, locked on Washington Football Podcast. All the love we just gave to the front seven. You talk about the offense. Obviously, they have their questions themselves. But I'm looking at this defensive secondary where most of the starters from last year, a lot of the snaps in that defensive secondary did not return. You know, Quentin Dunbar, he's in Seattle. Josh Norman, he's with the Buffalo Bills. I believe he's IR'd. You got a guy in Fabian Moreau who actually mm-hmm. had a pick in, in the opening week. Is is he going to be, is he their cornerback one? And, you know, I saw Troy Atke, he looked like he got abused on a couple of plays from the tight end group with Philadelphia. What is the, your, what are your thoughts on this secondary and how they're going up against this Cardinals passing attack that features Murray and now DeAndre Hopkins?
3: Yeah, so it's definitely different than what, you know, what, what, what there was last year, as you just kind of mentioned, Bo. I mean, they, I call it addition by subtraction, and that's not necessarily a compliment to who they've added. Um That is more how horrible Josh Norman and Monte Nicholson were. And then Quentin Dunbar was actually good, but he turned out to be a petulant pain in the ass and they just couldn't deal with him. Uh, and he just wouldn't shut up and he wouldn't stop being immature uh, and, uh, and, and screaming and whining about his contract. So they just got rid of him. Um, so, you know, the, the one stalwart, the one holdover is Landon Collins. They spent a lot of money on him. You mentioned Apke. He's got tremendous speed. I know he's um, I know he's a hitter. I don't know how good in coverage he is. Uh, and obviously there were some issues uh, there on, on, on Sunday, which got better, certainly, as the game went along. But there are still issues. The number one corner on this team is Ronald Darby, uh, who... You know, spent three injury-plagued years in Philadelphia and has been healthy and has practiced and has looked very good, but he got beat bad uh, on a 55-ish yard bomb the other night uh, by Jalen Rager, uh, who was a first-round pick. So, you know, again, no insult there necessarily, but he was playing in his first NFL game. You know, I I think Darby is, again, the number one guy over Moreau, although Moreau has been really good since they switched him guys last year, about midway through the year, maybe two-thirds of the way through the year, from the slot to the outside. And remember, last Sunday they didn't have Kendall Fuller, who they spent a, a good amount of money on, who's their primary slot corner, who they once traded for Alex Smith, and now they have back. And the guy that filled in for him is Jimmy Moreland. And that's a seventh round pick from James Madison University, local school here. And he is um, he's kind of like a cult hero around here. And yet him coming up with his first career interception on Sunday was really kind of the key turning point of the game. So that's a long way of me saying, look, they are very, very, very different. And I am not naive enough to think that they are absolutely and clearly, um, you know, a, a, a good or very good secondary. They're not. But they are way better in so many areas than they were last year, which to me is exactly what I needed to see. And I'm willing to take my chances that they might look bad against DeAndre Hopkins. Guess what? So did San Francisco the other day. So are a lot of secondaries, but they're going to be better long term for the changes that they made.
1: Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, Locked On Cardinals. Chris Russell, Locked On Washington football team. It's a Thursday crossover edition of the Locked On Podcast Network. Coming up next, it's time for Chris Russell to fire away at Bo and myself. That's all next on this crossover edition, Locked On Cardinals, Locked On Washington football team. We'll be right back.
3: All right, guys. I'm Chris Russell for our friends again at NFL Game Pass. This season – Get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. That's right. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relieve all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long like the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington football team. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best, like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Simply put, go to nfl.com slash game pass to start your free trial today, guys. NFL Game Pass, where football
2: And we
3: welcome you back on this Crossover Thursday edition. I'm Chris Russell, the host of Locked On Washington Football, rejoined now by the co-hosts of the Locked On Cardinals podcast, of course, Alex Clancy and uh, Bo Brock. And gentlemen, uh, we spent obviously time talking about uh, the team that I cover off to a 1-0 start. You know, if there was a second bigger upset, I guess, around the league and the landscape of the NFL and and maybe it was number one, maybe it was 1A, it was the Arizona Cardinals going into San Francisco and beating the defending NFC champions uh, in the San Francisco 49ers. So I guess I'll ask both of you, you know, what was the key turning point, the key moment, the key thing that stood out for you guys? Was it Kyler's mobility, or was there something else that led to the win most, in your opinion?
1: It was the unbelievably seamless transition from Kyler not having a number one wide receiver to Kyler having a number one wide receiver. the ability for Kyler Murray to find DeAndre Hopkins and albeit the first couple uh tosses to hop were you know either behind the line of scrimmage or close to it so it got the juices flowing a little bit through a wide re- a wide receiver screen they gained some yardage and then something just clicked where DeAndre Hopkins either learned this offense really quickly or Kyler knew exactly where to put him to succeed. The fact that DeAndre Hopkins had 14 receptions, and I know the secondary isn't the strong suit of the 49ers, but that defense was looked at as the most vaunted defense in the NFL last year. Um, That in and of itself just rose the floor of possible success for this team higher than we thought it would be on the road at Levi Stadium week one against the NFC champion from 2019. That it, I knew how good DeAndre Hopkins was. I've loved him forever. I've watched him. I've drafted him in fantasy every year like I love the dude. But I didn't know it would happen this quickly against that opponent in week one where there was no offseason. The fact that Kyler and he were able to do that so quickly, it surprised me, and that's what catapulted them to a victory among other things in week one.
0: I certainly think that is number one. I mean, there there could be a 1A, 1B, whatever, but I think the Arizona Cardinals on defense and the performance that they put forth after the first quarter kept them in this contest. I mean, they were down 10-0. They get a big special teams play, and then they get a big fourth and goal uh, stop Inches for, you know, centimeters from the Niners going up 17, seven, they come up with a big stop and it's three players that Steve come, the general manager here added in free agency. It was, you know, Jordan Phillips, it was Devondre Campbell. It was Devon Kennard getting in and making that stop and really changing the momentum in the favor of the Cardinals. And then they kind of just hold serve. They, they hold the Niners out of the end zone for a long time uh, until I believe the fourth quarter. And The Arizona Cardinals defense, unlike last year, the Cardinals could rely, and there wasn't pressure on Kyler Murray in that offense to put up points each and every drive because this defense could go out there and make the stops necessary to
1: keep him in the game. Yeah, put it this way, (laughs) just to put an icing on the cake of that, the fact that Zane Gonzalez missed two field goals and the Cardinals still won, that wouldn't have happened last year, regardless of opponent. It was so important that Zane Gonzalez did not miss field goals because it was nearly impossible, it seemed, for the Cardinals to get in the end zone, especially in the red zone last year. So that is a huge jump from where we were during the 2019 season.
3: All right, I have a million questions that I want to ask, but I just wanted to double down before we get back to Kyler uh, and the offense on the defense. Uh, You know, there's some big names on that side of the ball. You guys mentioned some of them, Buda Baker, uh, you know, obviously uh, Patrick Peterson, Chandler Jones. And, and, and then Isaiah Simmons, you know, the rookie. Um, how good is this defense right now? One. Uh, two, do you think that uh, for, for an offense that comes in with plenty of questions from Washington's end, that it will be a relentless assault? Or do you think maybe they'll want to kind of early on, maybe play some soft zone, uh, maybe kind of lay back a little bit to see how things go, and then they will adjust and crank up the pressure on Dwayne Haskins and a suspect offensive line.
0: Yeah, I think the latter there. I mean, it's because it is a relatively new unit. We talk about the unique offseason that everybody, you know, just went through. Vance Joseph put in a lot of new pieces and new places, and it took him one quarter of play in San Francisco, and we really don't know how good San Francisco is on offense. I mean, there there are a couple question marks that I think a lot of people overlooked, uh, you know Jimmy G and the the hangover from the Super Bowl, missing Emmanuel Sanders on that long pass that could have sealed the deal potentially. You got uh, you know their top two wide receivers out, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, the first round pick. So is there a lot? Is are they as talented on offense as we originally thought? You know how good was this performance? They they were good enough to get it done. And I think that this is a defense that you know, including the defensive coordinator. And VJ, he needs to remain focused. And and this unit as a whole needs to remain focused. They need their stars to show up. And Chandler Jones, he needs to continue to get to the quarterback. That's all he's done since coming over to the desert from Bill Belichick, New England Patriots, a couple seasons ago in 2016. He had 19 sacks last year. He was a Defense of the Year uh, candidate. Defensive Player of the Year candidate, and he needs to continue. To, he continues to eat. Who can do it opposite of him? Can it be Devon Kennard? Can it be Hassan Reddick, a former first-round pick, who's getting an opportunity to get to the to the quarterback? Uh, can Can Isaiah Simmons get to the – can he supplement that pass rush and also help cover tight ends? Uh, he cer- certainly helped slow down tight ends. That It was a joke last year. Alex and I would just tell our listeners to stream the tight end that's playing the Cardinals each and every week because – it was it was a success they had 16 touchdowns scored against them from the tight end position four catches 44 yards last week from George Kittle he was injured but uh Buda baker you know their nickel corner and byron murphy and isaiah simmons helped slow that down i think that they can be a serviceable defense that has the upside to do what you're saying get after the quarterback later in contest and really take advantage of, of struggling offenses but you know if they if they're not focused 100% They can also give up the big plays like they did to Raheem Mozart, the 76-yard catch and run that he took to the house. They they are not, you know, obviously uh, they can certainly give up the big play still. All
3: right, Uh, guys, I wanted to flip to the offense just in the interest of time because, you know, clearly I know we've touched on Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins, um, but I wanted to kind of double down. I I was reading a statistic that – Arizona, I think, in the Cliff Kingsbury era, is averaging almost 130 rushing yards per game. I think we all know Kyler Murray's a big part of that. But Kenyon Drake had a resurgence last year. Uh, Who else? How good is this offensive line? Who else do you think that Washington, you know, has to kind of zero in here on? I mean, obviously, it goes without saying Larry Fitzgerald's a future Hall of Famer. What else does
1: Washington have to look out for besides the obvious? It's funny, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting because it was such a misnomer. And DeAndre Hopkins isn't going to get 16 targets a game. Well, let's say he's not going to he's not going to catch 14 balls a game. It's just it's not going to happen. He didn't do it in Houston, even though his target share was monstrous. Michael Thomas may be the exception of the rule there nowadays, where he catches 10 balls a game, even though everybody knows he's going to get it. Bo and I talked about this where. This is an open forum for who wants to be the number 2 receiver. The running back room is pretty much set. Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds are going to be probably a 65-35 or 70-30 split, and Chase Edmonds is going to be looked to as the scat, Third down wide receiver back. At this point, we don't know if they're going to bring Eno Benjamin in. He's a rookie. He's learning the offense. He's probably going to stay put on the bench for now. But the receivers we have: Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, and Dan Arnold, who is a is a, a sleeper darling for fantasy football owners. Uh, hasn't shown much. He had one catch, I believe, on Sunday. He had just over 100 yards and a touchdown, or just over 150 yards and a touchdown in 2019. It was towards the tail end. There are open auditions for who's going to be the number 2 receiver on this team. People think it's going to be Christian Kirk. Some things it could be 36-year-old, 37-year-old Larry Fitzgerald. We don't know. And Bo and I talked about this. This is the game where we're going to find out because if Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio let DeAndre Hopkins get 14, 10, 12, 13, 14 receptions after seeing it in Week 1, that's on them, two defensive-minded guys. We don't see that happening. So Mm -hmm. I think that it's time for Christian Kirk to show up. Finally, uh, we've seen flashes last year. He had a big game against Tampa Bay that they lost. Uh, he is the young, spry dude that can take the top off a defense, and we haven't seen them throw the ball down the field at all. Probably won't see it uh, on Sunday if, if this front seven is going to do what they did to Philly, to the Cardinals. But I would say, and Bo, correct me if I'm wrong, I would say that Christian Kirk is not only the one that should be the number 2, but there's also the biggest question mark surrounding him.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're you're right and to kind of also answer what Chris was asking about the the rushing attack and the misconceptions of Cliff Kingsbury's air raid offense is how important the run game is in that balance and they went for 180 in week 1 and when that when Cliff Kingsbury coached Cardinals teams rush for over 150 yards they're 5 and 1.
3: Yeah. Well, I I mean I can tell you this. They're, you know, um Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio again are are not going to be lulled to sleep that that it's just Kyler Murray that can run. Uh, you know they're they're going to understand. And I just to kind of balance the whole point about DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, yeah, sure. I mean he's going to have his touches. He's going to have his catches. But yeah, I'd be shocked uh, if he went for the kind of numbers. Uh, that He did on Sunday, but then again that San Francisco defense a pretty good defense too and some smart uh, People over there, so I can't rule it out um, One last thing for you guys and I know we're uh, running up against the clock here From an offensive line perspective um, you Now it helps to have a mobile quarterback, but we've talked about in my segment how good this defensive line is Is there any chance that they can hold up? Do you guys think against this Washington front or do you think it's you know, if we use the term "air raid offense" for Arizona, is it going to be an air raid defense for the defensive line of the Washington football team?
0: I feel pretty com- confident in this this offensive line. Now uh, we'll see what happens with Mason Colder starting center. Is it Lamont Galliard? Galliard is uh he's he's a guy that played at Georgia. That's that's going to step in and I I'm not, you know, that high on Mason Cole anyway, but you know, DJ Humphreys, the guy they signed to an extension, their left tackle in the off season. He's played very well when he's been healthy. And so far, you know, he played each and every game last season. He started this season. I, I, I like the continuity coming back from this offensive line. You mentioned San Francisco. They've got a pretty stout front seven themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, you, you know, Nick Bosa and, and all those, all those first round picks that they utilized on the front seven. Is is pretty comparable to what's going on in Washington. I the idea with the offense is to get the ball out in two and a half seconds, and if they can do that, you know I don't care who's playing on your front seven. That that's getting out quick and into your playmakers' hands quick enough to where it's not going to matter. So it can combat whatever you're bringing. So I I'm I'm pretty confident they only gave up two sacks last week, and I think one of them is definitely on the shoulders of Kyler Murray. And twenty three of the sacks of the forty eight last year were on the shoulders and the legs of Kyler Murray. He just held on the ball too long. He, he seems like he's learning and he's more comfortable in Cliff Kingsbury's offense in year two to where he can really get rid of that ball quick enough to avoid getting crushed in the pocket. And he has to remember, Chris, he's, he's an undersized quarterback. He can't get sure. squared up. They're going to do everything in their power to keep him away from getting hit.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I will say just to, to icing on the cake that, that, uh, and I continue to say this until the Cardinals really have, a solidified, strong offensive line. The best offensive lineman the Arizona Cardinals have is Kyler Murray's legs. And until Chase Young can outrun Kyler in a 40, Kyler Murray's got a chance. And regardless of if he gets blown, I mean, regardless of how, if if this offensive line gets blown up, Kyler Murray knows almost immediately if he needs to evade the pocket or not. And Bo's right, get it out quick. This offense is set for air raid is loosely defined. If Kyler's got time for things to progress, he can throw the ball down the field. But if not, there will always be a safety valve, whether it be running back Larry Fitzgerald or or uh, or Dan Arnold, tight end. There will always be somebody to throw the ball to if Kyler can't evade the pocket in time before getting hit.
3: Uh, last thing for you guys, and I guess just we'll make this as quickly as we can. Does Washington? need a a a spy if a spy can't run with Kyler Murray. What I mean by that is they have a really fast linebacker in Kevin Pierre Lewis, who's 230 pounds, and he's really fast. But I don't think he's not as fast as Kyler Murray. So does it make sense necessarily to have a spy if nobody can catch up to him?
1: I mean, I don't think it's necessarily about his speed. I think it's... I mean, it has something to do with that, but I think it more has to do with the wherewithal that he has of... He's not like... A chihuahua who doesn't know how how small the dog doesn't know how small he is when the dog is barking at a at a St. Bernard. Kyler Murray knows exactly how big he is. He knows exactly what he doesn't want to happen to him. So if he's running across the line of scrimmage at any point, he sees somebody coming at him, he is he is sliding two yards earlier than any other quarterback would. It's yeah. all about the ability to not get hurt. It's not about being scared, it's about it's about self-preservation. And, Bo, I think you'd agree with me on this, that that is what separates Kyler. He runs zigzagging to try and not get touched as opposed to trying to run through or close to around anybody.
0: Yeah, it's like trying to uh, square up a fly. I mean, he, yeah, he's right. just around. right. around. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting.
3: Well, um, I... I guess we'll just wrap it up like this. I I mean, I think this is going to be a really, really difficult challenge for the Washington defense, even though, you know, certainly they put a licking on Philadelphia and Carson Wentz. I think this is a completely different and unique challenge along with, you know, having to go out West, even though there's no quote unquote home field advantage, you do have to travel and all that. Uh, So I'll just leave it as I think Arizona, you know, is probably in pretty good shape here, guys. Uh, You know, do you, I, I assume you agree or, or do you guys feel confident uh, in this team or do you think that, you know, maybe a little smack of reality is coming?
0: I think that there can be both. I mean, I absolutely believe that the Cardinals, you know, it's one game under the belt. It's a big win over San Francisco. Like I said, I don't, I don't, we don't know where San Francisco is rebounding from their Super Bowl loss to Kansas City. You You see a lot of talent on that roster, but. You know, how big was the win in week one? The Cardinals to shock everybody, just like the Washington football team did Philadelphia to ride that momentum. Certainly this defense, this front seven is uh, bad enough. Bad, I say bad in a good way for for Washington to where if they punch him in the mouth, they could just throw all the game plan out the window and we could be talking about a lot. I don't think the Cardinals uh, are exempt from a, a bad performance here. It could certainly happen, but you know they're favored by six and a half. I think that they should win this football game if they do, if, if they lose. I mean, we're sitting here on Monday morning trying to pick up the pieces, figuring mm-hmm. out what went wrong, but they should. Uh, I, I do feel like they should have a pretty comfortable W here in week two. I mean, I was looking at their schedule. I think that they could certainly, they could come out of the gates and go 4-0, and but we know the reality of the NFL. Sometimes that gets screwed up by good game planning or players making plays, and Chase Young is a guy that can uh, really throw a wrench in everybody's plans.
3: All right, we're gonna have to leave it there because we are uh, on time here. So we wanna make sure that everybody enjoys this episode uh, of the crossover Thursday edition of Locked on Cardinals, Locked on Washington football team. Guys, I'll say goodbye um, uh, to both of you, Alex Clancy, Bob Brock, always great to be with both of you guys uh, and looking forward to this fu- football contest uh, Sunday in Glendale. I wish I was coming out because I could use some Phoenix, Arizona in my life, uh, but we'll just have to leave it at that, okay?
1: Yeah, thanks, sounds Chris. Good. It was fun. All
3: right. Sounds good. That's uh, Bo and Alex from the Locked On Cardinals podcast. Up, Chris from the Locked On Washington football team podcast. Thanks for being with us, everyone, here on Crossover Thursday.
2: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.